It's amazing how life can change in the blink of an eye. That's what happened to Mark Berridge. And in his book, A Fraction Stronger, he tells the story of returning back to health after a, after a bike accident nearly severed his spinal cord, finding belief and possibility in life's impossible moments. This isn't just a book about injury. This is a book about resilience and how to be a fraction stronger. I think you're going to like hearing from your next read, A Fraction Stronger by Mark Berridge. So, Mark Berridge, who should read this book? Oh, well, like any author, I'm going to say everyone, of course, you know. We, um, we'd all love that. But you, you, at the start, you just want somebody to read it, you know. And I went through something really tough and I just wanted to help other people. So I'm just looking for how do I write to someone that's in a tough position like I was, that's looking for a little bit of help and inspiration, um, probably has it that help and inspiration, but maybe can't really find it um, because, you know, it is all around us and within within us. So it's, yeah, I started with that idea of how do I write to someone that's in that tough position like I was and reassure them that it's going to be okay. Um, and you just sort of let it blossom out from there and see how much bigger it can get. Well, the book's called A Fraction Stronger. And I think from from starting and, and we'll get into everything that happened in a minute, but you're a lot more than a fraction stronger yeah. after this, I would have thought. And just there, there's a there's a thing I got when I was reading it as well that you you're kind of thinking of all the things that you're doing in your life and where can I be a fraction stronger? And I don't know if that was your intention when you when you wanted it when you wrote it, but you sort of have given everyone a belief that anything that they're kicking stones about, they probably can get a bit better at if they get a fraction stronger. Was that part of your intention? Oh, totally. You know, uh, I think I probably even feel liberated. Like, you know, physically, it's still tough, right? I don't enjoy it when I can't keep up with my family or um, it's, I struggle to get off the ground, but I've been reinvented. You know, I spent most of my career not really using my creative side and the book's given me a chance to do that. Uh, it's put me in touch with uh, all of my memories and just how much value my friends provide me. Um, and, yeah, I do feel very much a fraction stronger for um, you know, having to find a way through that and having so much support helped me get through it. So yeah. Yeah, very, much, very much so, and I think everyone has that in them. Um, we just don't reflect on it often enough in terms of what all those great memories that we've had, all the things we've achieved, all the help that is there when we need it. Mm-hmm. And often we um, make ourselves more isolated than we than we really are, I think, with our own thoughts. Yeah. So let's go, let's, for, for people who haven't read this yet, because this is their next read, they haven't read this one yet. Let's let's go back and and just take a, a, real, a little trek through your history and then what happened on that day in 2009. Yeah. So I uh, grew up in Western Australia, uh, teachers as school, um, as parents, school teachers as parents, traveled around WA and went through a few different schools. Probably didn't really enjoy that, I don't think, overall, five schools, but but I think it definitely helped me in terms of being able to, you know, keep adjusting to different stuff. Um, and then I had the opportunity to live in Hong Kong for a few years in the 90s when uh, Hong Kong got handed back to China, which was a fantastic experience. I sort of, you know, moved up there as a 24-year-old and then moved to Brisbane um, shortly after having met my wife, who's English, and we settled into Brisbane, had three kids here. So that's sort of the, I guess, the main backstory. Had the opportunity to live in Singapore for work as well. So, yeah, pretty exciting um, life and work, working career, traveling around the world in general, you know. Um, so, very, very fortunate. Um, then trying to uh, you know, just maintain a bit of fitness like us all, uh, good camaraderie, cycling with the boys. 
Um, You're a mammal. Son- <laughs> yeah, there was. You I are. was not so much. Not so much nowadays. So wife and daughter very much not keen on me getting back on the bike. But uh, uh, I think that we did discover that I'm not Jonathan Brown, where you know the car comes off second best and yeah, Jonathan right. Brown gets up. But uh, you know, so what case, happened? Yeah. Take, I know yeah, so, going to read that in the story, but I'd, I'd love you to take out people listening through look, what happened there. I was riding two fifty k's a week. Loved riding with the boys. Uh, normally three to four rides a week. Sundays was a long rides. So up early Sunday morning off for a ride around Fig Tree Pocket, roughly halfway through the ride, um, you know, just thinking how ideal is this beautiful weather coming down um, past the equestrian centre in Fig Tree Pocket and uh, just bike understeers through the corner a little bit. Um, had to make a controlled crash decision. Once I had control of the bike, there's a park straight ahead, so I thought that's a good idea. Parks don't hurt as much, um, but I found a stormwater drain, um, so I sort of flew over the handlebars. I guess all of the, the impacts meant that I flew quite high and then I... Uh, managed to land a metre and a half below ground level. Helmet clipped to stormwater drain, so smashed into the helmet pretty bad here. Shoulder, um, fractured um, left scap, three ribs, fractured left wrist, can't stroke my thumb. Um, but the most important injuries were two crushed vertebrae. So T12 was down to 40% of its original height and a big chunk of that so went for, for a people, little holiday. For people that don't understand T12, where that's sort of halfway up the chest? Yeah, basically where your rib cage, um, you know, I guess, makes your, your spine, really, I, I right. think, is sort of the way people have described it to me. Mm-hmm. So the bottom of your rib cage. Um, yeah, so they um, pretty painful in the ditch, like pretty intense pain. I'd never lost consciousness, but I sort of felt like I'd had a punch in the head or something, I guess, as I hit the ground. And um, just remember the struggling to breathe. First, that's a, the strongest memory, first of all. This intensity, the pain in the back. And they're struggling to breathe, and I just thought I've got to, I've got to find a way to, to breathe. I've got to slow things down and just breathe. I guess that was my first main thought. Right, mm. and that's got to be hard with fractured vertebrae and probably a few ribs broken and stuff as well. And yeah, I didn't understand it at the time, but yeah, that, that's right. The ribs um, obviously make it harder to breathe. The fractured ribs, but also your spine. When you fracture your spine, it contracts all those muscles around the spine to protect it. Yeah. And that obviously constrained my my breathing, so that was part of why I was struggling to breathe breathe so bad. Wow! So and and then all of the things that that's going to happen from that nerve damage from T twelve, but then you've got scapulas broken and hands and finger problems and all of that sort of stuff. So the stuff that the nerves were going all right with was all kind of beaten up pretty good as well. Yeah, that's right. So I felt when I did come around in hospital the next day, sort of. Yeah, I realised just how tough the journey was going to be, and I pretty much couldn't move anything those um, those first well, the first week. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it was really, really tough. Yeah, you bring there's there's a few things that you bring up in the book that that I really loved and really resonated with me. Um, one of them was embers. You talk about embers a lot in the book. Can you can you tell anyone listening about embers and and what they are and why we need them? Yeah, to me. Well, embers can be so many things, but for me, it's all of those memories and the, the way you think about yourself, the things you, you've heard from others about you, what you've achieved. It's all the things you've sort of been accumulating all your life, but you didn't really realise you're accumulating. It, it doesn't take very much to bring them back to life and help you remember that you are stronger than you actually felt you were. And, you know, your friends come might come in or send you a text message. All those things will help you relive a memory and and it's those things that you need, I think, when your, you know, identity's been crushed a little bit, to be able to think about, you know, what what is it that's really me, and and how am I going to fight my way back to the identity I, well, I guess in my case that 
find my way back to the identity I used to have and then find that that identity is probably not really achievable. How can I find my way back to the right parts of those identity? And, you know, yeah, it's, it's, it's absolutely, all of us have embers inside us. You know, some people might call it an essence, but to me it's, yeah, because it's, I like the embers because you can blow on it and make it glow and we are always constantly accumulating them. There's more and more all the time that are, that are relevant to us that we can call upon. Yeah, my takeaway with that was definitely about hope that mm. you know the fire hasn't gone out. We've still got the embers there. We can we can still with a bit of hope we can sort of light it up again. Yeah, I think that's absolutely the outcome of why you. So you sort of for me, you've got this connection. You've you, you're trying to identify hope, and how do you bring yourself to I can achieve that hope? And the embers are the, the bridge that help you get that bridge and the fire yeah, to right. hope. Yeah, you're totally. sort of getting it started and and getting that fire to burn. And they Don't connect, yeah, again. that's right, connection, yeah. Because you, you talked a lot about, about some of the angels that you came across during this journey because we're, we're talking about a nearly three-year journey to now. Yeah, yeah, so I still undertake, you know, extensive physio now to try and um, improve my walking and and just, I guess, improve quality of life for the long term. But, yeah, at the very start in particular, you know, so many people that just came into hospital and gave me belief when I was struggling um, to have belief, just people that did simple acts of kindness. Um, so angels are, you know, they are the people all around us, but they're also inside us too, I think, you know, that ability to to care about yourself, um, to reward yourself for effort, to set a goal and to push for it. That's something that's in your control. And to me, angels are, they're the things that drive it. So we're, you know, using embers and other other elements to establish hope and possibility, and then we need these angels or the things that are going to drive us towards that hope. Mm. I get one of the things too. You you point out that you've got to take notice of some of this stuff. Those you, know, you were saying before that there's lots of things that you've done in your life that you hadn't really taken any notice of, but once this happened, those memories and those things you learnt, you could draw you could draw on them again. Um, I'd love you to take us through just one or two examples of some of the angels that you met, and you know, maybe like Leanne at the PA or or some of those. Is there is there any of them that oh, really stick? The, I know it's the, real hard to pick one out because you there, there was some, particularly the first ten days in um, Royal Brisbane when I was just so incapacitated and often you know on the edge of despair. That was definitely you know I guess the strongest ones for me. And Nicole was absolutely the, the most important to me, which. Uh, she'd been my day nurse for a few days and yeah just that um you know she just seemed to have a really nice way about her and then one day um I'd had the spinal unit come and see me and I'd been expecting that I was you know pretty severely damaged but not so severely damaged that I was going to be on the uh, admitted to the PA spinal which takes the worst of of Brisbane's uh, spinal cord injury people and sorry I don't like using the word victim so uh, I try to avoid that um, but the, um, anyway, so, you know, they came in and they've done all their tests on me. And at the end of that discussion, they've said, we're going to have to put you on our, you know, on our uh, waiting list. You're going to have to come see us. And I'm thinking, hang on, that's not the information I was expecting out of this visit mm-hmm. or what I'd been preparing myself for. And so I was really low. And then the nurse had come in, I guess, because she'd seen me for a few days. She just could tell that I wasn't quite right. And I was, I was desperately trying to, I guess, put on the brave face as I write in the book. But you know, just to try and get through it and she could see something was wrong and she just whatever it was she said I don't know if it was are you okay but whatever the words were it got me to open up and I think that was just so important because if I had a suppressed it a bit longer you know you're losing energy when you're suppressing things like that and she just got 
the right words at the right time to get me to open up about it. And it only took 20 minutes of it just sitting there. And they're really busy, right? But she sat there for 20 minutes just to console, say the right things, and most importantly, get me looking forward and saying, look, if that's what you need, this is the right thing. You know, don't look at this as a bad thing. This is a good thing. And just that perspective when I needed it. And, I, you know, angels do give that to us. They help us when our own perspective is getting a bit wonky. Uh, they will definitely, you know, help us out. Yeah, and that was a weird one too because you were devastated. You were put on the wait list and then you were devastated <laughs> later on because they took you off it. So take yeah. it what happened there? Uh, yeah, it's, it seems so strange. There's probably two main main factors. One, I sort of felt like, well, you're taking me off the wait list. This is my last chance to ask you the really hard questions about what you really expect of me. And I sort of knew the answers but I didn't really want to hear the answers. And we're often like that in life, aren't we? We're, we'll ask questions that we, we, we wish there was a different answer coming and we're, so therefore we're not entirely prepared for the answer that does come. And so when they said, look, you're, you know, you're never going to um, walk very well, you're gonna, never going to run again. And, you know, I'm thinking, you know, I love playing tennis with the kids and doing all these things, you know, mucking around, kicking a soccer ball or AFL ball, what I'm, whatever I'm doing, and I won't be doing that again, you know. Mm. So that um, that confirmation really hurt on the one hand. Uh, and two, there was just, you know, this uncertainty. I mean, I talk in the book a lot about tackling uncertainty and, and you've got to push yourself into uncertainty. That's important. But at the same time, you know, at that point, we were really trying to work out what was going to be my next hospital treatment. We knew it was, we needed something significant to keep me moving forward. And all of a sudden, one of the options for hospital treatments, treatments taken away from me. And we're, you know, you sort of got this uncertainty of, you know, so you're telling me all these things I love doing with my kids and in life, you know, playing sport, uh, not available to me anymore. And you're also telling me that probably my best hope of getting at least a fraction of that back is now taken away from me. I've got to find another way. And then we, so we, you know, then you, you, you change up your energy and go, right, well, how do we pursue finding that other way? And, that, and to me, that's what a fraction stronger is about as well as, you know, explore again, explore again. There is a way. Yeah, and there, there was a real tenacity to it. I thought that there are times when it's like, you know, oh, that just that's just awful. And I can only, you know, you talked about being on the rollinator. I think that's the thing where you the rollinator, yeah, the rollinator. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, who would have thought that it was a happy day? The day you get given a rollinator with your own name on it and told you can just use, you can get up out of bed and use it yourself, even if you're really scared every time you do get up. Because of course, yeah. to that point in time, I, I needed to, you know, physio to walk with me. Um, when whenever I was on it, but I, yeah, I don't know tenacity. I, I guess I yes, I would I, I would absolutely say. I don't that, even pretend I you weren't tenacious. I've I've read the book, man. I, 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 I would obviously tenacious. Well, I, I guess you know I'd look back on my sporting career, talk about embers sort of thing. You know, I was never the best player on the team, but I I could think about how the game needed to be played, and I was I was committed, and I was a good teammate. I reckon. Mm-hmm. And so I think those a lot of us have those skills, and they're all tenacious type of skills. So I guess yeah, I, um, I always felt like I'd, I'd be like that one. Um, but two, I also you know, to me, I just felt like I didn't have a choice. Like you know, this is my body and my life, and a, you know, I want to be around for another you know twenty thirty years, um, you know, hopefully more. And and every last fraction of improvement was going to pay back for the next thirty years. I just needed to go after it. Yeah, particularly in that six months, because that first six months is where you get the majority of your improvement, isn't it? And that With you know sort of we're, we're, that that's absolutely the verbal they give you at the start. You know that that you know may only get six months of improvement. Perhaps you'll get two, but we'll only know you know at the end of 
um, at that period, and I was determined to go as hard as I could in six months. Now I've heard some other views since, and I, I guess I would probably what's, hope. What's that people, your take on it now? So you've been. I'm, still, I'm absolutely. Eighteen months later, are you still improving? I'm absolutely still improving, and you can, yeah, my right. physios can see it as well. And, and you know, obviously, people will see it to different levels. If someone hasn't seen me for a year, they'll see a stark improvement. But you know, I just walked the three capes walk in Tassie in December, fifty-four k's over four days. It probably took me the best part of six, eight weeks to recover afterwards from a you know the right. legs physical perspective. But yeah, if you put, I know how to pull the whole thing. Even my bloody shoulder blades were pretty sore for a while after yeah. pulling it. Um, but uh, well, they were broken you can too. Push yourself so. to do. Yeah, well, they done. <laughs> the poor. I think I think at the point one of the physios probably about two weeks in told me that that it was the same scapular injury that Cooper Cronk had played in that uh, grand final. I think at that point their their chances of getting me to worry about that particular injury went away because because yeah. because everything else about my arms and and everything was just struggling, especially the left arm. I just had to find a way to get. Uh, some help out of that left arm and if compromising that particular injury the the, the scat was part of it um then that's what i did but yeah definitely yeah. the shoulder blade was still it's still weak now the left, left side shoulder blade when i do certain exercises definitely yeah right but it's it's something my overarching thing with the book is that we can all just go that fraction harder oh if we need to and yeah. and we've done it right again it's yeah. an ember you think about all the times in your life you've you've needed to and you've just found a way to go that fraction harder or, you know, just mm. change it up and gone a fraction different and all the friends around you and how they've done it. Maybe mention it to them sometime about how they've done it and you respect the fact they've done it because we don't say things like that often enough. And yeah. guess what? That ember, will, that ember will be just a little bit less faint when they need it if you've said something today to remind them about how they just were fantastic five years ago when it counted yeah. to go a bit harder. Yeah, it's a good it's a good way to reinforce behaviour, but particularly as you're a parent as well, and particularly with kids, and to actually catch people doing something something well, and and let them know that you've seen that, and that's a that's a really impressive thing to watch. And it sounds it's like the physios did that for you a lot. The physios and and even just like you know the simplest acts. So down at footy, you know, I was desperate to get back involved in my kids' football and and help out in any way, shape, or form because I used to help out a lot with the volunteering and just one of the other parents. Every time he said saw me every week or two weeks, he'd just make, he'd actually stop and look at me and then he'd say something like, you know, you're just walking better again, mate. And it's yeah, just a simple sense. phrase, but it, that positive feedback, it's so vital. And yeah, really, really appreciate it. There was, there was one story you told about um, Sam Bloom and the magpie story, how that just came to you at the, at the right time. Um, I think with Sam, um, like that story, just, I started, when I first started researching the book and, and what to do and I, I listened to her on a pop podcast and, and I heard about the story. So this is before I knew about the movie being made and yeah, just that story and just thinking, I guess, turning that story a little bit into, I mean, I know they really focus on the, on the magpie as well, penguin, the magpie, but yeah, just really turning it into the angels are in all sorts of different mm. guises. Um, you know, it can be just a, a new puppy or, um, you know, I, I guess just the way you just tackle something can just something to fan an ember of joy. To, to it. Yeah, just different things change and change your perspectives. I guess is particularly when you're dealing with you know demons and obviously I you know Sam's position is you know incredibly tough and she's done an amazing you know amazing. Yeah, thing. if anyone sees, there's a movie called it's called Penguin. I think the movie is Penguin Bloom. Penguin yeah, Penguin Bloom. Penguin Bloom. Okay. Well, maybe it's just Penguin. Yeah, Penguin Bloom because there was Cam's book, the which is more the photography related thing. Um, mm-hmm. Penguin and and then Sam's book. Um, bird song and sorry, heartache, heartache and bird song. Right. Go with that. 
That's but a beautiful the, book. The movie, the movie's beautiful. It's exquisite. Oh, yeah, I loved shot. it. It's I found it. The cinematography and stuff of it is just amazing. I, I found it pretty tough to watch, I have to say. I should imagine you but, would. But it was all right. I found it better to watch than, say, um, Rabay Tour um, or Tour de France uh, crash highlights. I have to yeah, say, when right. I was watching the, the Oracle Green Edge documentary, which I also really loved, and, and the crashing, the cyclists are crashing all the time, I was doing a fair bit of flinching there. But uh, yeah. yeah. Well, fortunately, they weren't going into storm waters and falling a metre and a half under them. <laughs> Under the underground, and so, stuff. some of them, some of them have some pretty amazing cr- crashes they get up from. Anyway, yeah. poor buggers. That fact that you looked at all of those things and you never wallowed in it, and there was a moment there you sort of talked about checking your privilege. I tried not to wallow, but I guess that yeah, perspectives around you know, um, you know how lucky we are all the time, and and certainly. Um, you know, that comes through on both my stories. And I, in the book, I also share some other stories of, of people that were important to me that came in and, and helped me on the way. And they're very much like that, you know, focus on what you can do and what you can't rather than what you can't do. You know, we we all had that same thought, I think. And that's that comes back to that. You know, we are much more blessed in life quite often than we realise in terms of checking a reality check of where we're at. You know, the fact that you lived in a place that had a good health system and you had all of these angels oh, yeah. coming into you. and Sorry, I'm, I'm of... placing it better now. And I actually originally sort of thought about uh, that from a um, Commonwealth idea, you know, all this, the taxes and stuff that we don't like at times, but, you know, definitely all that um, opportunity around us. And, yeah, I, I'm so lucky and even... Um, like, look, if you take just the current situation, you know, I, I just, like, when I was in hospital, I would do an hour of formal rehab per day and I'd go back to that gym for another hour and a half every day because I just wanted the chance to get better. But if I was, you know, now in COVID, I probably wouldn't have the chance to go back a second time. They wouldn't be able to allow, just allow me to wander into that physio gym. So just in the timing, I, I was privileged. And, yes, as a society in total in Australia, um, you know, just the, the healthcare around us, um, you know, people ability to come and see you. Yeah, very privileged. And there's a bit of I think gratitude's another one of those things that that stoke that embers, isn't it? To sort of oh. understand that and understand the angels that are coming at you. And I've got all this new new vocabulary I use now <laughs> around this stuff since I've read this book. It's been great. Uh, I, I do feel you know um, it's probably the the biggest thing, and it's a central driver to the book. You know, that gratitude for you know, the way people. Um, gave to me, gave to me their time. Turned up in hospital, people I didn't barely knew, with stories, shared them, um, and just gave me hope. And and the people just doing their simple, you know, their everyday jobs, caring for people in a brilliant way, that just they really appreciate it. If you are giving back to them and letting them know how much the job they're doing means to you, and it meant a hell of a lot to me, and that ability to give back to them, it makes their day better. You know, yeah. Think about your own life and how that feedback makes your own day better. It does for them. And, yeah, I felt amazingly grateful all the way through for the, the help I had. Yeah. I, I'd love you to just, just take us through one more little story. You you got messed up. You got T12 stuffed. Everything's awful. Your legs don't work. And eventually you did a lap, you ran a lap, Cliffy Young style, I would imagine, around, around <laughs> the oval. Yeah, well, take, it, take us through that. It it came from came from that day when I was a bit devastated from PA Spinal taking me off their wait list and saying you'll never run again. And I thought, well, I'll find a way. And then I tried to get back to work for a little bit. It probably was, you know, really I, I pushed it too hard from a work perspective. I was juggling, so I was sort of, you know, I was chasing this identity I used to have, and it's I'm just not reaching it. And so I thought I need something to pump up my tires a little bit. I'm going to take on this comment they made about you not running. 
And right. so I just thought I've got to, so I built up to it for a while in terms of just pre-running drills in the backyard and other stuff like that. And then I just um, yeah, picked a day and went down to Cooperoo Oval where my kids, all three of my kids, so I've got two boys and a girl that all play footy down at Cooperoo. So I'd been there a million times and just thought that's the oval for me. I'm going to go down there and just jog a lap and uh, end up jogging, uh, yeah, one and a half laps, I guess, uh, pretty slowly, probably getting the feet off the ground for about the first 50 metres after that was pretty hard work and I, I suffered for it for a few days but I proved I could do it and yeah and I think we can all do that you know you just it, it's about proof you don't need to keep doing something that's a bit ridiculous but if you prove to yourself you can do it again you get fractions stronger so that was definitely it and I'd, I'd also just tie with that that probably really kicked off this journey but that was probably the, the element because by doing that I also said, well, I've done that. I'm going to force myself to watch the video of me walking on day 10, which is still really hard for me to watch or not walking, struggling to walk. Um, so I forced myself to sort of sit down and, and watch through that video a number of times till I could um, cope with it. And then I read You're through really the notes. poking at scabs a little bit doing something like that, <laughs> aren't you? There's two sides to it. There's a... I look and weigh it up that you're poking at scabs and you and you're it, also it, it's both it. it's both like you know and it depends on the context of them talking to my mates that I used to you know play hockey with and you know have successful teams with I see the physical loss but at the same time I see the you know what I was able to fight back from and tackle and the strength and you know I can look at myself sit down and see how defeated I looked in a moment but I also know that I might have looked defeated but I was no matter what was happening, I was going to do this because this is what the physio told me was the first hurdle I had to get through to get to the next hurdle. Mm. How do I get through this hurdle to get to the next hurdle? Because I'm not going to get to where I want to get to if I don't just chip them off one by one. So it was all of that, and it forced me to read the notes I'd written in the first six weeks, and I thought, oh, God, I'm not going to enjoy writing how bad I felt in the first <laughs> six weeks. And, you know, because I pretty much I couldn't, I couldn't do anything like write anything or anything for the first two weeks, I think, probably about, about yeah, around that 14-day mark, I got out the iPad and one hand sort of propped up and tapped out some notes of, you know, largely what had been happening day to day up to that point in time and how I'd been feeling. And, and, uh, and I kept sort of kept that up for about the first six weeks. So, yeah, that gave me a really good basis. But, I you know, I'd had that sitting on the iPad for 15 months and I'd, yeah. I just did not want to open it. But, again, by feeling stronger for having jogged a lap of an oval, it meant I could um, open that thing up and get through that one and, you know, get a bit fraction stronger. And then I wrote something publicly. People said, there's something in this. And I'm going, really? It's just me. I mean, like I'm pretty average. And you they go, no, there average, is. Mate, but you, <laughs> the insight and how vulnerable you are to share this story is fantastic. But the book's called A Fraction Stronger. And if anyone is going through some turmoil and going through some stuff, particularly something like a physical injury, I think this book would be an angel and it would certainly spark some embers for them. Uh And it's a fantastic book that I I think if you are going through that sort of stuff or just want to get inspired by, by something. And I certainly got inspired by you, mate. And I I really appreciate you writing it. And uh, I hope lots of people get out and buy your next read, make your next read a fraction stronger. That's an absolutely beautiful finish. I couldn't have, wanted anyone to summarize it better it's absolutely beautiful thank you mate thanks for coming on the podcast it's been good having you absolutely my pleasure thanks everyone thanks Luke. thanks for listening to the your next read podcast if you'd like to get your hands on a fraction stronger by mark berridge go to majorstreet.com.au and use the code ynr to receive your discount thanks for listening and we'll see you next time i've been luke mathers it's been fun